Hey, Eric. How you doing? Hey, pretty good, Leo. How are you? Good. So we have an actual guest today. We do? Yeah. I think it makes us like a real podcast now, like Pinocchio. We're real. Today we have with us Jonathan Bailey Strong. Jonathan, how are you doing today? Fine, thanks. Thanks for having me on. So I met Jonathan at MicroConf a couple of months ago, and Jonathan runs a podcasting kind of marketing company, correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's an agency. We help people launch and produce shows, mainly targeted at helping people running software as a service companies. Yeah, and we met at MicroConf, which was fantastic this year. Got to meet some really great people. And then I had a conference right after that, which we had talked about in a previous episode at Piers. But you also had another conference as well after MicroConf, correct? Yes, that's right. That was basically a double ender or whatever. It's back-to-back conferences for me. Uh, I was back in uh, New York. I went to the LTV conference, which was great. Could you explain a little bit about LTV? Yeah, so LTV is run by a company called FE International. As far as I understand, they basically help broker acquisitions. So they're very involved, particularly in the SaaS space. And they acquired the conference, I think a year or two ago, used to run in the UK, and they basically brought it over to the States. So it's now running annually in New York. But it was great. The attendance is about 200 people or so, but all pretty high level, you know, serious business owners and some really great content around it as well. Cool. So we both, like you said, did kind of a double ender as far as conferences are concerned. What are some of the best practices you do when you go to a conference in order to like keep yourself organized and on task? Yeah, so one of the things I did, uh, particularly with MicroConf, as it was my first time attending, one of the things that the organizers, but also people sort of peripheral who tend to attend quite a lot, is there's a lot of information put out there about who's going to be showing up, not just the speakers, but the actual attendees as well. So there's something that Justin Jackson put together which is basically like an open spreadsheet where people could just add their details. And I just started basically scouting people and heading them up and asking if they just wanted to jump on a Skype call. So that was a really good way to just kind of pre-game the conference and get to know people like on a more personal level. So it meant that when I went there, I wasn't just walking into a room full of strangers. It was like I could see a couple of familiar faces. So that was really nice. That was uh, one thing I did. Yeah, I really like that idea about scouting who's going to be there. I think it's funny, you use Skype and that spreadsheet that Justin had put together. And then I would use Slack more or less to like kind of gauge interest in certain topics, like for instance, podcasting, of course, Mm. and kind of see like, oh, hey, who's interested in some podcasting? Let's get together and, and chat or do lunch or breakfast or dinner or something like that. I think that's a great way is just kind of either using Slack or Skype or spreadsheet to just get a hold of people. Yeah, that sounds really appealing to me too, because I have this perpetual fear that I'm going to meet someone that I click with, and then I'm going to forget their name. And so having some place I could go back to and refresh my memory and be able to establish a stronger connection between the face and the name sounds really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I I came away with is not only getting a hold of people in Slack, but getting their email address, because a lot of your conference Slacks are just going to get killed or pretty much dwindle out after the conference is over. So getting people's email addresses afterwards is a big, big gain that you can have when you are at a conference. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a good end to a conversation, so ask for a business card. Asking for a business card is a good way of maybe ending a conversation that you might feel has already kind of reached its natural end. But it's also a good way to remember names as well, if you've forgotten. 
them even after talking to someone for a couple of minutes. Yeah, hopefully they have a LinkedIn account or something that you can find their face yeah. in case you forget. Yeah. So it's interesting you're talking about scouting people and getting a hold of folks. And that kind of segues into our discussion about staying organized when it comes to like ideas or contacts or your email or things like that. How did you get interested in managing your ideas and your top and, and things like that? So, you know, I've always sort of followed a lot of the content around productivity. It's sort of a topic that's always interested me. I think I was one of the early readers of uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen. And I'm always looking for ways to improve my workflow. Something actually that I was introduced to quite early on when I actually worked with the first podcast agency that I worked on, similar to what I'm running now, is the concept of using standard operating procedures. So simply a way of sort of listing out all your tasks for basically compartmentalizing like individual areas of your workflow and just making it extremely well-documented, you know, basically building out these step-by-step processes that make it easier to then section off that work and give it to other people as well. Do you have an example of how you could tie that into something that you find yourself doing most days at work? Yeah, I would say any tasks which you find yourself doing on a repeated basis. So for example, one of the sort of adjacent things I do is that I have a podcast newsletter, an email newsletter I set out weekly. And basically, I usually use Google Docs. And just basically within that newsletter, it's basically a newsletter for the podcasting community in New York. And so I curate events, industry updates, and jobs that are related specifically to the New York area in podcasting. And so what I'll do is I'll just list out those separate sections and then all those different places where I kind of find the information for that, I've got a very kind of clear linear process that anyone can basically pick up. So I'm able to then outsource that to someone else and they can pick it up without knowing anything, you know, that just off the bat, they would be able to pick it up and run away with it. I really like that you have a document so that somebody else could pick up on it. That's something that's I think is so important. Yeah. Is being able to like outsource a task at a later point and have that documented. Yeah, totally. The actual framework we used for that was actually taken there's a podcast called uh, Tropical MBA and every now and then they come out with these really handy sort of frameworks or guides and this is one of the ones that they produced. But they basically had this sort of standard operating document which was sort of like an index of all the assets, but mainly also the standard operating procedures. And it's mainly based off a, a book called Work the System, which is also similar to another one that's quite well known called The E-Myth. It's basically this whole concept of you can map out all the areas of your processes within your company, meaning that it doesn't rely on you doing all the work. You can easily kind of hand this off to someone else. And you're continually updating and iterating on those processes as well. Yeah, it sounds like by having the process written down or documented in some way, it's also really easy to take that step back and do some analysis on where it might be able to be improved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Google Docs is a perfect sort of platform for this. There are a couple of others out there that are more specifically oriented for standard operating procedures. But I think one I came across, which I have used a little bit in the past, is Process Street. They have a really good system of creating checklists. Although having used it a little bit, I found that it was just lacking a little bit of flexibility that I had in Google Docs. 
And it's just the simplicity and the ease of use of Google Docs. Everyone understands it. So at the end of the day, that's what I find myself going back to all the time. I think there's also another platform, which a guy called Brian Castle working on called Process Kit. That's sort of in the early stages of development, but that's also another one, a good one to look out for as well. It's funny you mentioned GTD. How would you say it's related or built on top of GTD? So GTD came out, I think it was published in the early 90s. Would I be right in saying something like that? I think you're right. Like it's pretty much not pre-internet, but pre-internet hitting its stride. Yeah. And I think, you know, the basic tenets of the philosophy are still applicable, but I still feel like a lot of it was like based on, you know, sort of like you had a physical inbox where you would drop things into and that sort of thing. I think, you know, a lot of this is sort of just basically updating those principles, but for the digital age. Yeah. And I think a lot of the digital tools end up getting modeled after some of those physical systems as well. So there is almost a natural transition from one tool to another using the same processes. Yeah, absolutely. So getting a little bit meta here, you have this process of documenting workflows and systems that you use. It sounds like you're also interested in looking at different ways to document and use different tools to see which ones might give you benefits. So how often do you actually revisit your process and the tools that you're using? Is that a process in and of itself? (laughs) I think, you know, people who regularly blog about this kind of stuff. So a couple of names come to mind. Nat Eliasson talks about product. He he talks about a couple of different things, business, etc. But one of the things he he talks about is productivity. So yeah, productivity bloggers like him. Um, There's another guy called Thiago Forte. And his content is quite quite verbose, but it's really well thought out. He wrote a really great article on Inbox Zero. So the concept of Inbox Zero, basically having no emails in your Gmail or whatever email application to use, for a long time, like it didn't really have much appeal to me. I I didn't really see the point. Some people seem to pride themselves on having an Inbox Zero. You know, my email was always overflowing, but I never really understood why that was an issue. But uh, Tiago Forti has an article on this where, having gone through it, it really started to make more sense to me. Just the fact that the main thing he talks about is he makes an analogy to, say, a postman with a depot, which is just overflowing with email. And every now and then he just goes through and triages it and puts his next to a to-do. And basically, it's a continual mess. And with Inbox Zero... If you think about it, like that's essentially what we do with our email. We kind of use it as a dumping ground for everything. Whereas the concept that he explained was instead of that, you know, you should be taking stuff out of your inbox that just doesn't belong there. You have to do's that should be where you keep your to do's, where you manage your to do's. If it's reference information, it should be there. That started to make sense to me because when I thought about all the things I'd, you know, previously flagged in my email inbox, they were just a mixture of lots of different things, just didn't really belong there. It's funny you say putting your to-dos in your email. Like that's definitely a vice that I have gotten into. I forgot the Dropbox mail client mailbox, was it? And then of course there's Gmail inbox, which both are now no longer with us. May they rest in peace. (laughs) But like there's the idea of using your email as an idea inbox. That seems to be really counter to what your you and the article Tiago recommends is like using email as your idea inbox and kind of managing all your emails as to-do list items. 
within your email. And you're saying that's a big no-no. Yeah, basically. What are some of the vices of doing that? What are some of the issues that you'd run into if you do that? In terms of just sort of piling up your to-dos alongside your reference information or whatnot? So like it ends up getting basically disorganized if you go that route. Yeah, I remember there was a time where I was dealing with a lot of inbound inquiries. And at some point, it was just impossible to manage. And I think, you know, you do come across people who say they're just overwhelmed with email all the time. And they'll say, oh, don't email me, just message me or whatever. I think that's just a sign of poor inbox management. Right. I look at the ideal of having my inbox be zero. But part of the problem is that like, I keep stuff in the inbox if it's something I need to take care of at some future point. Yeah, I like your approach where it's like, if it's something you need to take care of, it goes yeah. somewhere else, right? I mean, that's pretty much what you're saying here, correct? Yeah, so usually if it's a to-do, what I'll do is I'll just forward the email message. You know, if it takes longer than you know a couple of seconds, whatever, it's going to require more thought process around it. I'll just forward it straight away to my task managers. So I use things, but I think most task managers will have an email address that you can use that you can just forward emails to, and that will create a new item there. And at the end of the day, you know, you email inboxes are searchable. So, you know, once you need to reply to that or you've got round to it, you can basically just search for the email. And that prevents you also from badly prioritizing, basically, because you might be replying to stuff when in actual fact, there are lots of other things you should be doing. I really like the premise from the one touch. You get an email and then you respond to it. You only do something with it one time, file it away to a to-do list or your calendar or wherever. Yeah. and There is some contrast between like a Google inbox and this kind of a system. Although one thing that Google inbox really did well for me was introducing me to that idea. They didn't call it one touch, but Mm. the thing that really clicked with me was that when I get an email, there were a lot more options that I didn't have in other email programs where I could snooze the email and worry about it next week or three months from now or a time when it's relevant. So I'm using some of the ideas of taking an email and like filing it away. You could also associate an email with a location. So, you know, if you get a promotional coupon or something and you only want to be reminded when you're actually at the restaurant or wherever, then you could actually use some of those features. But I totally see what you're saying where the idea is to act on it, get it into a more appropriate system for how you will be acting on it instead of just letting all of this stuff accrue, whether hidden or not in your inbox. Yeah. It's almost like the online version of hoarding, because even if you archive something, it is still there. It's just like hidden out of the way. And I guess the one thing that you pointed out is it's searchable. So to me, that just makes it easier to try and dump things in your inbox because you think that you can just go back there and find it when you need it. But that actually seems to be exacerbating the problem of all of this stuff piling up and not being organized in ways that are very useful. Yeah, absolutely. Something you touched on there, like you mentioned Gmail has a lot of great functionality about it and it's very extensible. The problem I had, and I I suppose I don't entirely follow all the whole system described to the T, I use an email tool called AirMail where I can basically get all my mail from multiple inboxes. The same on my phone, I use Outlook. So although Gmail is a great tool and I wish I was able to just kind of put everything into that one inbox, I have to kind of manage it using a tool that collects several inboxes. One of the downsides to that is one thing I think is really valuable is to be able to just 
pause your inbox in terms of basically only coming back to it once a day so you don't get notifications of new emails until there's um it's a tool i forget what it's called but it allows you to basically pause your inbox on gmail wow i really like that idea is it like a server side or a client side app i wouldn't be able to tell you that <laughs> no i mean is it a client app that you go on vacation mode or is it something where it plugs into gmail i think it plugs into gmail yeah okay okay Unfortunately, I haven't figured out how to do that with Airmail, but that would be very handy. But one thing I do, which the article mentions is, I use one of these services called Unroll. I think there are a couple of others. But what that allows me to do is to roll up all my email newsletter subscriptions into one email. And that will just include the subject line for each of those email newsletters. I try to unsubscribe to as much as I can, but there are a lot of email newsletters that I still want to be on, but I don't feel the need to open every single one of them. And that's handy. So that usually just gives me a daily digest in the afternoons. And I'll just kind of scan over the, the subject lines to see if there's anything that's actually worth reading or not. Yeah, and you had mentioned that Tiago's articles tend to be pretty lengthy. Mm. Uh, one thing that I found is that they had a lot of actionable details in them. I mean, almost sequential, like do this, 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 this. Yeah. And like you said, you don't have to do all of them, but... Once I got maybe a third of the way in, I'm like, wow, I've got to give this a try because a lot of this stuff, you just set it up once and yeah. then you can forget about it. That's right. Yeah. And now being able to snooze my inbox, or like right now, I just rely on my own discipline to do that and I'm not very good at it. So I really like the idea that there's a way that I can actually let the software hide away my inbox so I can't get to it. Yeah. So where do you keep your to-do items? I think you mentioned it and I wanted to get clarification. Yeah, I use a, a tool called Things. It's a pretty minimal application, but it's pretty powerful. You know, just like any other task manager, it lets you basically sort your to-dos into projects, into areas, uh, lets you prioritize them, lets you tag tasks. Yeah, I just really like the interface. It's great. Yeah, okay. So you take an idea mm -hmm. or an email, you throw it into Things, right? And then what's kind of the next step? as far as where that idea goes? So generally, you know, I'll collect stuff into, yeah, it's split up by, like I say, project areas. And then you have an inbox where is a dumping ground. And then once a day, usually at the end of the day, I'll review items, basically assign them to where they need to go. Probably one of my favorite things about it, and this is something that Nat Allison talks about, is the quick entry that allows you to basically press I think it's control space on Mac, which allows you to just, it basically pops up like a little input box and whatever you're doing, you can just add it to do you know, instantaneously, which I really like. Another neat thing is if you're on any particular website and you want to include that website, or I think it even does internal links as well. So like if you're using the Evernote application natively, you're able to just kind of link to an individual note, add that as, you know, as part of the the notes field in your to-do item. Yeah, so I use Todoist, and it sounds like it's pretty similar, where you can do email forwards, yeah. and then you have a link to the email. You do projects. Can you assign people tasks if you want to through things? I'm not sure about that. I generally use it mostly for personal things. Okay. I tend to use Trello if it's something more collaborative, project-based, usually. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I actually use a separate to-do list application on weekends because that's usually stuff I do with my wife. <laughs> okay, so you keep like a separate personal to-do list. Yeah. 
from your work one. Yeah, see, I use Todoist, and it's worked really well for the both of us, uh, my wife and I, and uh, we use it for shopping trips. <laughs> so we have a separate project for whatever grocery store, and then we'll have all the items on there. Yeah, And then I just try to order them, so that way it's it's the most efficient way to make my way through the maze of the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> Is it tedious to manage multiple lists like that? I actually find the weekend tasks are relatively separate. I just tend to switch off from work during the weekends. It's a nice way to separate things as well. Okay, so you don't find yourself switching from one list to another really quick. You get a couple, three days using one list, and then the rest of the week you're using another list? Yeah, I haven't really run into too many issues around that, actually. Okay. Yeah. One thing actually uh, just uh, came to mind as well is one thing I find with email newsletters, like there's, there's a really great email newsletter about podcasting, but it's very verbose. It's super lengthy. It really goes into the weeds and that sort of thing. And it's really hard to read as an email. So what I actually do is I set up a recipe using IFTTT. You could use Zapier as well or whatever, but it will automatically forward that to my Instapaper. So Instapaper is like another app that just lets you read, you know, web pages or whatever, uh, but it will download all the text and let you read it offline. And it basically gets rid of all the ads and all the junk and all the formatting to just making it as easy to read as possible. So that just allows me to receive all that content straight to, you know, reading application that I can use offline, which is great. Yeah, that is really great. When you say forward, is that through email? Is that through your inbox that that happens? Or? So basically, I'll set up a rule on IFTTT that says if an email is received from this address, forward it to this Instapaper email address and it will archive it. So I'll never actually see it in my email inbox, even though that's where it's being received. Gotcha. Okay. So when we were preparing for this episode, Leo had introduced me to the term inbox management in a way that it can also be idea management using your inbox. Is, is that sort of what we're talking about right now? So the ideas and the resources part, to me, that that's where that kind of information, from my perspective, that lives in Evernote. So anything around that, you know, useful tools or resources or, or ideas that have cropped up from email, I'll send that off to Evernote. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we're talking about pretty much not using your email for ideas. I think that's exactly what we're saying. And then ideas go and Evernote tasks go in things and kind of keeping those things cut off from each other and separated and that way keeping them more organized. Yeah, basically Evernote is where the resources, ideas, sort of, yeah, information is kept. Things is where my to-dos are. And then email is just inputs, basically, that are siphoned off, mostly to those two. Okay. And is there a process that goes from Evernote to, like, for instance, you have an idea, and then you want to take that idea, put it into a task. Is there a process for that specifically? Well, like I say, the quick capture with things will allow me to pull the internal link for Evernote into things. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's very cool. How often do you go back to Evernote and review the things that you're putting in there? If I'm perfectly honest, it's not a perfect system. But what I am trying to implement is another one of the paradigms or frameworks that Tiago Forte talks about, which is basically splitting your digital information up into one of four things. So there's projects, which is probably the most self-contained you know, task areas that have a defined end. And those are the things that you sort of work on daily. So defined goal, defined end, and those will be the ones that you probably reference the most. So that kind of goes into your first area. And then there's areas, which is areas of responsibility. 
which are sort of ongoing tasks or ongoing areas. So that's the second bucket. Third bucket is resources, which is basically stuff that you might refer to. Let's say, I don't know, all your medical records or your whatnot that you might have to reference. And then the fourth is archive, like everything that's sort of older information that you won't be using. So by splitting it into those buckets, they're ordered in terms of like how often you use them and how important they are as well. And I found that like a really good paradigm for managing information across multiple systems. So you think about it, like the way we store information is kind of all over the place. You have stuff on Google Drive, you got it on Dropbox, you got some stuff on your local laptop, you're on Evernote. And it's a quite a good system to apply across multiple platforms. So that way you've got a much better idea of where everything actually lives. So if you don't mind me digging in a little bit yeah. deeper, how do you actually approach looking at these different areas? And I'm sorry, area might not be the correct term because I think that's directly like one of the terms that you used in the system. But what kind of methods do you use to figure out which ideas are worth pursuing further? And which ones should get archived or put on a back burner? Just to give a little bit more context, I have a pretty primitive system where I just have ideas that I dump into one giant Google Doc. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these I know are realistically things I will never get to. Mm -hmm. But every time I go through that list to add something new, I will just look at the titles of a lot of them. And some of them, I'm like, wow, I would love to get to some of these someday, but it just seems like they never get prioritized. And I just don't want to cast them aside forever. Yeah, I'm not sure I necessarily have the perfect system for that myself. But I'll use Evernote as a dumping ground for ideas like that. And usually that will probably live in a resources folder in most instances. The other thing about Evernote is what, one of the constraints it has is it only has like a two folder level structures. So you can have stacks and then you can have folders underneath those stacks, but you can't go any further down. It's a bit of a limitation, but at the same time, it's actually not such a bad limitation because it allows you to kind of gather a lot of related information together, you know, in that folder structure. That means that you can kind of bring up like previous ideas that you hadn't thought about, you know, that maybe you've kind of forgotten or they're in the recesses of your mind. Yeah, it sounds like it also may suggest that if you're taking an idea or the notes and you're breaking them down too finely, then there's probably a better tool for doing that. Or you might be getting into the area where you're actually trying to break this down in a way where it's time to start taking actions and move that into like your to-do list or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think your method of also just sort of writing things down and percolating on them is a, is a good idea as well. Because what might seem like a great idea today, in a couple of days, go back to it and you're like, wow, I'm not sure what I was thinking. <laughs> That's definitely happened. And another thing that has happened with the some of them is just after waiting a year or two, someone else has had the idea. And suddenly <laughs> the thing is, I can just buy it. Those are the easy ones. It's some of the other ones that I look at, I'm like, this is totally not relevant to my life right now. But dang, if this wouldn't be an amazing thing to have someday. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So before we close out, I just want to see if I can summarize what we've discussed today. But it sounds like a lot of what Jonathan's talking about, and we'll provide links to the articles, involves staying organized with your ideas, your email, and your tasks. Jonathan, it sounds like it's really important to stay organized and keeping some of that stuff uh, cloistered off into their own little sections and keeping your email 
just taking care of it right away. If it's a to-do item, then it needs to go into your to-do app. And Jonathan talked about things quite a bit and how many features that has. And then, you know, unrolling yourself using an app like Unroll Me or just unsubscribing from newsletters you're not reading or mailers essentially that you're not reading as often as you can. If it's something that you want to read later, take advantage of an automation tool and uh, a read it later type app to move those over. And then you also talked about Evernote and using Evernote as a way to collect your items and on a basis of your choosing, you know, going through that and, and seeing is there an idea that's worth pursuing or perhaps something that is no longer relevant. Did I pretty much summarize what you had talked about today? I think that's a great summary. Yeah. Before we close out, is there any apps uh, you wanted to recommend or talk about? I'm all about the tools. I love my tools. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> but yeah, something I, I've been playing with uh, a little bit lately. This is kind of an old-ish tool. It's run by Cisco of all companies, which is a bit of an old school company. I don't know, maybe this is an acquisition of theirs. But their meeting notes application is actually really advanced, I found. So what it will allow you to do, it, will, it integrates with your Google Calendar. And it basically allows you to go into Cisco Notes and pick any of those calendar events and add an agenda to it. So once you've added, and within that agenda, you can create tasks. It will automatically add other people who have invite, been invited to that event. You can create templates. It will automatically email that agenda out to people before the meeting. You can export it to Google Docs. So, you know, it's quite handy for yeah, think about something like a, a mastermind group where if you have a mastermind call with people, it's a great place to create a sort of a template for your meetings. And yeah, this looks awesome. Yeah, everyone can sort of collaboratively add their own input. That's oh no, Jonathan, go to the website and look at the top. Is it shutting down or something? It will be discontinued. Oh no, it will be discontinued <laughs> May 31st. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> all right, you have like a few days to use this app. Well, if Anyone's thinking of... Uh, Picking up it? Yeah, totally. Wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, if someone builds something similar to this, I'll probably be one of your first customers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time to start Googling uh, alternatives to Cisco Spark. Yeah. <laughs> what other apps would you recommend? I've got tons. One of my favorite things when I'm uh, just doing work in general, maybe this, is, maybe, this isn't an app, actually. It's a, an internet radio station that I tend to keep on in the background more or less all the time when I'm working on the computer. But it's called FIP Radio, F-I-P Radio. And you can get it on any sort of, you can get it on TuneIn or any, it's an internet radio station, basically. And what it does is it's really eclectic music and there are no ads, there are no ad breaks. And there's very little talking apart from the occasional news briefing in French, but it's all said with very kind of sultry French voices. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Oh, yeah, that's very cool. But yeah, something I've realized is I need music, like background music, to keep me happy when I'm working. Yeah, I totally get that. That's my kind of go-to, go-to platform for that. Cool. And then, um, Jonathan, if you want to go ahead and people want to learn more about what you do and get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, sure. So... I have multiple websites, but probably probably the main one where you can find all about me is on John B. Strong. So that's J-O-N-B-S-T-R-I-N-G dot com. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on and talking with us today. I think this is a topic we'll definitely be exploring again as well. And uh, if there's anything uh, when it comes to productivity, staying organized is a big, big way to do that. Yeah, I want to add also that 
your explanation of how you use Evernote has probably been the most relatable explanation that I've had. I've tried it a bunch of times and I'm going to give it another try using this approach that you described. And I also think that you should consider reaching out to them to become a spokesperson too. (laughs) I'll think about it. Yeah. So Eric, where can people find out about OK Productive? People can find out about OK Productive at okproductive.com, as well as on social media. We're at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at OK Productive. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. So long.